Welcome to Uncovered. I'm Steph. I'm Renee, and this is a podcast created by pole dancers for pole dancers. Welcome back to Uncovered. Today, guys, we are on the final part of our yes, pole physio series. Part three. Um, I'm sure you guys have already been totally geeking out with us. There's been so much content covered already. So if you're just joining us, you yeah. have two episodes to catch up on. Yeah, you got it. You have to listen to these two episodes first before this one. Like we don't usually, this is the first episode we've ever cut up. Yeah. And we'd never intended to cut episodes um, because we're like, we just, when we get someone in or when we talk about something, we go sort of from start to finish. If there's a lot to talk about, you know, we just- We just make, make it two, what it is. Two separate ones. Renee's um, famous for being like, this one's 15 minutes only. And then it's, <laughs> it's like- It's like a quick 15 minute one. And then it's like 40 45 minutes. 45 minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. later. <laughs> But yeah, so in this episode, guys, I, well, this part of our um, chat with Paul Physio, we spoke about concussions. Um, mm. Renee was busting to oh, talk yeah. about concussions. I just, yeah, I had it's to. It's interesting. We could have almost finished and I was like, nah, I'm going on this. I'm going on this route. <laughs> but yeah, it was really good. And then we also did the listener question. So yep. if you were anyone that asked a question, like we got to ask, we've maybe asked two or three. Yeah, there wasn't, because was, by this point we were at like an oh. hour 30 with her, like on recording. Um, so we didn't get to ask everything. And obviously she doesn't answer injury specific yeah. questions. So we really went through and we thought we'd grab the ones that we think will provide you guys with the most value. Yeah. And hoping to, well, we'll definitely get it back on. So we're, we're already talking we'll, about we're the next episode. Yeah, exactly. We'll bank up other questions and yeah, um, we'll put it out there and let you guys know when we have it back. So enjoy part three of the Pole Physio series. I do want to really jump back to, I really want to talk about this. Um, yeah. Uh, the concussion. So you just oh, did no. <laughs> recently um, put out this thing about, and it was actually a really long read, which I sent it to our instructors and actually yeah. sent it to a few people. And I just said, it's a long read, but it's really worth it because I learned so much that I didn't know. And there's so much like coming out there now that, especially when you're sort of doing these blogs that it's kind of like, oh, you didn't even realize it. So when Simone put out this thing about concussions um, in poll, um, think of like, say if you've like fallen for one, but the big takeaway from me is you don't actually have to hit your head to sustain a concussion mm. and how it like how serious a concussion can actually be. It's not just a, oh, whoops, I, you know, I just fell and, you know, I'll just sort of rest. Do you want to give a little bit of a talk about like <laughs> about those <laughs> about the concussions? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm sorry, we had a massive okay. chat earlier, but just in terms of like what my concussion might look like and the severity it can be and that we need to sort of be a little bit mindful as instructors and as pole dancers ourselves that we could potentially be sustaining a concussion and the implications of it. Oh, you're asking for, for not some big things there, are you? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm actually bringing up the blog as we speak because I, like any questions regarding to concussion, I kind of want to do it justice. And yeah. like you said, it is a long blog and it's it's long for a reason. Um, I actually wrote this blog many years ago, not related to pole, but I did it related to just mm. any form of contact sport. And then I rewrote it for um, pole physio and then obviously made it really pole specific and then in there, I put that um, little graphic that I created about, you know, the ideal return back to pole mm -hmm. from concussion. But, oh, there's so much. Um, 
Break down your questions again for me. Let's start with one of them at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so initially, um, what sort of like how can you sustain a concussion in pole? Cool. So you can sustain a concussion in pole um, from either uh, one contact to the head or two contact to any part of the body. Um, and that's really important to know. So um, you can fall onto your shoulder and not hit your head and you can still experience a concussion. And the way that happens is the force that you, uh, I guess, get impacted with causes your brain to move around in the skull. Mm. If you kind of think about it like being jelly inside a you know hard case, it's going to have that sort of whiplash effect back and forth mm-hmm. and side to side. And that in itself is what causes a concussion. It is that sort of knocking around of the brain inside that hard um, hard skull. Um, and that causes local inflammation to the brain. So kind of like how we'd expect to see swelling, but it can mm. also cause some other issues to the brain itself. So it's not always just about the swelling in a small area. So um, it's really probably the big thing there is, um, yes, so you don't have to have a hit to the brain to get concussed, but you also don't need to lose consciousness to get concussed. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge one that people just underestimate. Um, There was some research done in AFL. Again, I'll keep going back to AFL because I have previously worked in AFL. Mm. Um, But there was a study done that showed in elite level athletes that um, only 40% of them lost consciousness. Now, these guys are hitting hard. Mm. They're hitting out like on purpose. Like they're obviously not trying to attack the brain, but they're they're going in with intent. So the risk of them having loss of consciousness is probably quite high. So 40%, I'd actually say, is still quite high in terms of 40% Mm. of them losing um, consciousness. I imagine that most concussions, there's probably about a 10-ish percent rate that actually probably lose concussion maybe up to 20 percent is probably from my clinical experience not all of them lose um consciousness um i think i said loss of conscious concussion loss of consciousness is what i meant to say if (laughs) i said that wrong (laughs) thank you (laughs) um so that's really really important um so yeah that's the first question yeah and so then what can it look like so what can you sort of expect to potentially experience if that has happened Cool. There's a few symptoms. So the most common symptom is um, headaches. I think that was um, prevalent in about 80 something percent of that particular cohort. Um, And it may be anything from the mildest headache. So mildest, faintest sensation of of discomfort through Mm -hmm. to like anywhere in the head through to ear splitting headache. It could be dizziness. Um, And again, it's not constant dizziness. It just might be that you stand up and you go, oh, I don't feel quite right. Mm. And it could be a split second of dizziness. That's a concussion, okay? Mm -hmm. Assuming that there has been a cause for concussion afterwards. Some of us get dizzy from just standing up. (laughs) So you have to sort of face it to compare to what's normal for you. Um, Vision issues, so blurred vision. Um, That's probably the big one that I look for straight away is not necessarily if they're reporting blurred vision, but when someone's concussed, I automatically look for are their eyes... um, following a normal pursuit Mm. of movement, um, like what's happening from a neurological pathway perspective. If there's a concussion, that gets disrupted and I can see um, usually quite some visible issues like a nystagmus where the eye might be juddering back and forth or the the movement isn't as smooth as what we'd expect Mm. throughout. Um, Drowsiness, brain fog, um, feeling confused, uh, like an amnesia can happen even. So that's maybe not as common, um, but it's still there where... Um, people go, I don't know what happened. Um, and again, they're usually the the ones that I would have seen out in the football field. And I saw some beautiful ones in my time where they would walk off and um, one in particular that we monitored before sitting to hospital. And um, I would ask him the day, I'd ask him the time, I'd ask him, you know, roughly all those things. Mm-hmm. Who, who scored the last goal? And he's like, where am I? Mm-hmm. And he would ask me that every three to five minutes. He's like, what am I doing here? Wow. 
Wow. wow. Yeah. Be like, hey, buddy, you're here at the footy. Like, you know, where yeah. the game's got, oh, did I, have I played? Yeah, um, you played. We had to take you off because you, you did get a head knock. And every five minutes, like, that look players on the bench thought it was hilarious. At the time, I'm yeah. going, oh, my gosh, this is quite considerable amnesia. Yeah. Um, so I'm going, this is quite severe. They thought it was adorable. <laughs> Looking back, it's adorable. You can laugh yeah. at it. But at the time, I'm like, this is quite serious. And good. then he deteriorated and he ended up in hospital. And he was he's fine. Yeah. Um, but, like, you yeah, that's not common. Like, it's not common. So I think out of all the concussions I've seen, and I've been privy to quite a few, mm. that's maybe happened twice in the concussions I've seen. Yeah, um, and you you said early off um, yeah, when we were chatting, potentially being emotional as well can yeah. be. Huge. So I was saying to ladies before that um, one of the AFL girls um, got concussed. I think it was either during training or maybe – actually, no, it was actually after a game. It was the day after a game, but no one realised she was concussed during the game because it wasn't – she didn't get hit in the head um, and she, there was there was no impact, nothing that you would have um, questioned or queried. She reported completely fine after the game. There was just nothing to give us indication. And then the next day basically walked into the club room and took a look at me and just was like, I don't feel okay and just started crying. And I was saying to you ladies that this person wasn't a crier. It was just completely out of character for her. Not that any of the girls would just walk in and start crying, but yeah. like <laughs> there's definitely some people who like, you know, things happen in their life, they start crying. Definitely. Not her, <laughs> not her at all in any way, shape or form. And um, we basically, uh, I spent th- like two to three hours with her, like, you know, crying in a ball effectively trying to calm her down and and you know breathe and she was like I just don't know why I'm so upset but I'm so upset and just uncontrollable again that's an extreme of concussion mm. like you don't get that usually but I have seen people be like more irritable more snappy like you know yeah. they just aren't quite themselves and it's quite interesting because I'll I'll pick up with them and I'll say um they're, they're concussed and I'll say to them look you, you're experiencing concussion they're like no I'm not I'm, you, you are a concussed you're experiencing oh okay mm. sure fine a week later they'll come back to me and they're like wow I was concussed and I was like mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the best one I've ever had is a 16 year old boy who um <laughs> at an AFL game he uh, like you know his, his league he just started swearing at me and guys when they grow up you kind of expect it in footy like you just Mm. like whatever you throw it off the shoulder he turned to me he started swearing for a 16 year old boy to do that I was just like no this is not normal for you and I just Mm. went if you didn't think you were concussed before you just gave me even more ammunition to basically keep you off for the rest of the game he like was beside himself within five minutes he was he was in tears going oh my god I can't believe I said that to you I'm so so sorry like he was beside himself and that's him usually like he would never swear at me and I knew him I knew him well enough to know he'd never swear at me but that like you know he was like f this and you know and I was like wow (laughs) so there's just like you look for personality changes and Mm. I think as a as a healthcare professional you look for um people that you know so when you work in a team sport it's it's easier to pick that up because you you know these people when you're instructors you can pick these things up because you know these people so if something doesn't feel quite right you just go look you need to get checked out but if anyone experiences a fall from a pole the number one thing is they should stop polling yeah so if they experience a fall regardless of whether they hit their head or not they should stop polling they should get assessed yeah. by a doctor not by a physiotherapist I'm I've got a, a great skill set in concussion that allows me to work with medical professionals at my level but not physios don't usually have that so mm-hmm. it has to be from a doctor who ideally is experiencing concussion yeah. a sports physician is also a great place to start for anyone in Australia that's sort of our like a healthcare yeah. system um, in other different countries so in Europe it will be different healthcare professionals mm-hmm. but get assessed 
even if you have mild symptoms, it's still a concussion and it can cause havoc. If you try to pull through a concussion, you can be experiencing concussive symptoms for up to a year, if not longer. Yeah, yeah I was only listening symptoms. to a podcast recently and this particular girl created a whole membership program of her concussion experience because she got to debilitating um, yep. state for like almost a decade so she walked out of the hospital like it's just a concussion it's fine and it actually progressed and got worse and worse and worse but I have a good question off the back of that when should somebody go to a GP or a physio like impo like what would be <laughs> like that's because we would be like go to a physio I because my experience with some GPs is you go there and it's here's some painkiller like there's a a, a prescription given to something yeah. and then you just move along sort of yeah stuff. and stop doing it yeah so I think the question is ask yourself, what is the GP going to give me or do for me? Mm-hmm. And I was actually having this chat with a sports physician last night who is brilliant at my, one of my work um, workplaces. And he we were saying that this is currently the issue with healthcare is that um, GPs feel like they need to physically do something. And mm. the only things that are available to them are medication or imaging. I shouldn't say that's the only thing that's available to them, but they're the ones that they choose to use. Mm -hmm. And in reality, a lot of the time, all the patient needs is reassurance and um, I guess education and pointing to the right area. So if they need more than that, absolutely investigate and absolutely provide medication. But for a lot of injuries that they haven't actually, um, I guess, musculoskeletal injuries, they need to be seen by physio. So Mm. I just, I, I think first thing out there is, if you are physically injured from a musculoskeletal point of view, ideally go see a physio, mm-hmm. okay? The only time where I would preface that and say go see a doctor is if you think you've broken something and mm. genuinely think that you've broken something. The problem is I do have a lot of patients out there who are quite anxious and that's quite reasonable, but they've gone and done something that has no mechanism of injury for a fracture, but they've got pain so they think it's broken so then they go and get a scan. Mm. Now, usually if there's a fall, there's contact, there's something hard, then you're more like more likely to have a fracture. So if you've fallen from a pole onto your arm and it's quite painful, absolutely go get it x-rayed. Not a mm-hmm. worry. That's fine. But if you have been pulling and you're just doing heaps of chair spins and you start getting shoulder pain, there is no need for you to go get a scan. There is absolutely mm. no need for that. If you are in a lot of pain and you need some stronger medication because the over-the-counter medication isn't appropriate for you or isn't, isn't uh, enough, then that's fine. Then you could certainly see a GP. But don't expect that to fix your issue. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And unfortunately, the where, where the healthcare, healthcare system is currently letting us down is when GPs don't refer on. Yeah. Um, a common one I see of this is ankle sprains, unfortunately, where GPs go, it's just an ankle sprain, you'll be fine, it will fix itself. It won't fix itself. We know that the risk of chronic ankle instability is actually quite high if you don't have appropriate rehab for it. Mm. So any musculoskeletal injury, go see a physio. If you're not sure about it, Book in and see a physio and if they think a doctor's appropriate, trust me, they're not going to hold on to you. That's the last thing they want to do is mm. to be medically liable for anything else that yeah. could be going on. They're going to get you into a doctor. Absolutely. Like I've had patients come in with injuries before and I'm like, no, this is blood clot. Like you need to go see a doctor like mm. right now and I've sent them straight to emergency. Or I've had a patient come in with, you know, knee sepsis, which was just missed by doctors. Like the amount of times doctors have um, have gone, no, no, go see a physio and I've had to send something back. It happens. Like it, it's going to happen. We're not all superhuman and we're not able to pick like I had a a beautiful doctor who I know is a brilliant doctor unfortunately missed shingles on a patient patient came in saw me 
picked up like their top lifted up and I was like you have shingles back you go <laughs> so, so there's stuff like that that happens it's yeah. okay like not everyone's gonna get it right all 100% of the time but go see a physiotherapist first and then if they need additional then they can call up the doctor they can get you into a doctor the only other time I would preface a doctor first is if you have a really good relationship with your doctor mm-hmm. and um, there are some people out there who who know their doctor well they've been there like their childhood doctor and you trust them like implicitly then that's fine go see them they know you they'll know what to do um but i'd usually otherwise say go see a physio first yeah yeah, that's yeah. Really good. obviously biased but <laughs> i think for good reason yeah I, I genuinely think for good reason i think there's way too many scans that are being um done there's way too many investigations that are necessarily being done because gps unfortunately a, a lot of them don't actually know how to mm. manage an injury and there's nothing else they can do other than to send you away and a lot of the time patients get cranky when they get sent away without yeah. anything Mm. So they're like, well, I, I better appease the patient. Here's yeah. a scam. I would agree. Yeah. Guys, we've covered off a lot and we still have some um, listener questions. Yeah, we might di- we might dive into <laughs> listener questions. I think some of them have actually been answered yeah. by our discussions. Um, there are a couple that I think is um, really interesting. The first one being, um, is there a point where you have too many niggling injuries where pole is maybe just not a safe sport for you? Yes. <laughs> yes is the answer but again it doesn't mean that there's not things that you can't do yeah, um, yeah. so there's been one or two patients that I've seen over the last year that are completely burnt out mm. and it's not just an injury point of view now but it's actually a medical issue yeah. um, and they've had to uh, undergo holistic care so I kind of guess talked about this mm. and if they were to do poll, they would actually um, cause considerable medical concern. So for them, we've had to go, okay, well, maybe we can do this and this once a week, which may involve some light dancing, some stretching mm. and so forth. Mm. So they can still be active. They're encouraged to still be active, but we have had to modify activity. The chance of that happening is low. So these are like the, the 1% cases that are, are mm. happen. So yes is the answer. There is a point, but quite often um, there may need to be a period of, of modification, whatever level of modification the physio needs to see fit, but then reintegration back to pole. Mm. So even if you feel like you're broken, like even if you think that there's multiple areas of your body that are broken, there are still things that will need to be done in a short period of time with modification yeah. that can then get you back polling. So do you need to stop ever completely? No. Mm. And we can see that um, beautifully exampled by um, you know, patients who have been polling or, you know, pole dancers have been polling for 10 plus years versus, you know, uh, pollers who pick it up at the age of 50 or 60 mm. and they're just yeah. brilliant. So I think we, we have quite a range of spectrum of pole dancers now compared to, say, 15 years ago. And I think, too, it might even be a change in mindset than when returning to be like, I might not ever be that advanced polar and why did mm. I come to pole in the first place? Yes. Is it And yeah. is it still fulfilling me or can I find this fulfilment in another sport? And that might be a huge part of it to be like, I can do it, but I'm not going to be able to achieve the things I originally signed up for. Am I okay with that? And yeah. I feel like that mindset's really important because it changes as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm old, but I feel way more mature than what I was five years ago when I approached pole, uh, which you kind of hope. But I, I did write a blog on this earlier in the year that when I wrote it, I didn't realize how personal it was to me. And it was about how taking a break from pole is okay. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of patients who come to me desperate, clinging on to the thought of like, you know, I must pole dance. And they're so upset at the thought that they mm. can't pole dance. It's okay if you do need to take a break. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
And when I wrote it, I actually ended up writing it from a personal experience, which was over the last year I've actually fractured a rib. Mm. And not many people know this. I haven't actually publicly announced this anywhere, really. Mm. Um, And I was doing everything I needed to as a physio. And it was kind of similar to yours, Steph, in terms of um, your rib injury that it took quite a while to to diagnose Mm. um, because there was no mechanism of injury and it's really unheard of. And for someone to then fracture a rib, we need to figure out why the underlying cause of it is because there there was nothing, unlike yours there was no incident so there's got to be medical tests and so forth but i had to take time away from pole and modify a whole lot of things and i look at pole completely differently even now to maybe two years ago in terms of what it does to fulfill me and so my relationship with pole has completely changed i Mm. use it because i like i I've always done it because it empowers me makes me feel strong but how i try to push myself now is completely different to what it used to be yeah and i think that's important for listeners out there to sort of go what does you know ask yourself what does pole mean to you why do you do pole and always come back to the reason why you do pole and why is it so important that you train six or seven times a week when Mm -hmm. you could potentially be you know doing putting less stress to your body like are you able to achieve the same things in different ways yeah and everything in life comes back to purpose like why did you start doing like what is the reason for this am i now still fulfilling this purpose and yeah the answer might be no and i've actually had this conversation recently with somebody and we're actually thinking of doing a podcast episode on it is i think with pole we associate so much of our identity in it so then it's like who am i if i'm not a pole dancer anymore so that's a whole nother topic oh my gosh that was well you hit that, that nail on the head for me because over the last you know however long I was like, how can I be a pole physio if I'm not pole dancing? Mm. So I ended up having to talk myself through that from an identity crisis mm. point of view. I went, I am still the pole physio. Mm. I'm still, like, so you having yeah. to go, just because I'm not pole dancing right now doesn't make me any less of a pole physio. Yeah. And it was then validated by every patient that I treated and was able to help them on their pole journey. And a lot of instructors even go through this uh, when they potentially go from being the student themselves to shifting the way that they're like maybe doing less competitions and more about it's for them if they get injured it's all about still trying to get their their students doing what they can so it's really interesting you see a mind shift quite a lot with instructors where they go um i don't even care if i can't do this trick anymore i just want to be able to be able to teach so i can teach (laughs) these people yeah i'm like this because i'm like everyone's like you're gonna compete i'm like oh i don't know like i'm not Mm. actually i don't really love competing i don't love performing and i had to do like a little bit of identity stuff for even this Mm. year about competing and i'm just like i don't really want Mm. to do it but i feel like i kind of have to like to almost show hey like guys like like I can, I can this do this, or like, you know, and trying me. to like encourage, like not encourage other people, but like lead by example. Almost, I felt like, but yeah, I went through that, and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't love doing that. I love teaching, and I love helping people get to like. I want to train people to be better than me. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to be better than everyone. I want to train you guys to be better than me because I know I have limitations, and I know my limitations. I've spent like years now learning that, um, and I do what I like to do, and I'm. I love it and I don't feel like I've had a time where I'm really lost my pole mojo or wanted to quit pole because I've sort of doing the parts of it that I like and and really making sure that I'm happy with what I'm doing. Mm. I think that's so important. Like absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another good one we said, and we've sort of covered this, but how much we've talked about a lot. Did we really go into like injury prevention and how to prevent the most common injuries? No, um, we did in terms of like – talking about how studios we can yeah. mm. like do that. But I think this is this is probably like my favourite thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, and 
obviously like I can talk <laughs> we, we can gather that from today <laughs> we, can, we can all talk I was gonna say we could even do a whole another podcast we on this specific like specifically because I'm like here goes another hour <laughs> I was about to say we, I won't keep you for too long <laughs> uh, no, no. no I'll keep it simple yeah. effectively yeah. like so if you're talking about injury risk reduction or injury prevention mm. um the like if you have a again a squad every athlete needs to be screened the the reality of an instructor one having the skill set to be able to do that but two having the time and ability to Mm. do that is actually quite like low it's quite hard to do Mm. um so that's obviously where physiotherapists um that's our skill set um Mm. so we will screen individuals for those risk factors so so for the the modifiable and the non-modifiable risk factors Mm. and they will change depending on the different parts of the body Mm. um so we do that at afl at the start of the start of a season we would basically do uh two or three sessions that were full screening specific uh, sessions and take their players through their paces from a physio and snc point of view we would use that to flag any risk of injuries and then we basically tailor individual programs to the athletes uh, needs to try and reduce the risk of injury based yeah. on all the research out there so mm-hmm. there i did a full meta-analysis on this in terms of literature i ended up for, for um, carlton basically um worked with the, the men's as well as the women's on this in terms of going okay well here are the outliers and here's what we need to fix and how do we address how do we reduce the risk of acl injury and it was a whole uh whole year of my life <laughs> working on that so that was fantastic and it gave me great experience um, and knowledge to be able to implement mm-hmm. it with pole dancers um but so once you've figured out what the injury uh risk is so for example if we're talking about a an Aisha where you're talking about their bottom arm needs you know quite a considerable amount of movement we can very quickly as pole instructors go okay everyone sit against the wall can you lift both arms up and touch the wall with your thumbs Mm. really really simple right super simple if they can't get them in to see someone it's not your problem to fix but just go look you're lacking shoulder mobility the next you know step that we're trying to work on is an Aisha if you can't physically get your arm past there you're not going to be able to Aisha Mm. without injuring yourself it's like it literally can just be that simple um and I've done so much on this in terms of screening for tricks. Mm. Um, so every anatomy series I've done effectively, I think I've, I've basically put a, you know, how do you know when you're ready for this trick at the end of my blog? And I've, I've done a whole bunch of like, you know, can you stabilize your shoulders correctly? Mm. Can you, do you have enough pushing strength? Do you have enough pulling strength? So I think the answer to bring it back to your sort of question there, mm. Steph, is that studios need to look at screening as a part of their syllabus marking. And this mm-hmm. is where I think like things need to change and go. So mm-hmm. if you are passing someone from beginners to intermediate and the criteria is to um, actually, no, let's go intermediate into advanced. The criteria is they need to be able to do a whole bunch of straddles and repeats on the other side. They need to be able to do this mega combo or this combo mm-hmm. or this trick. Great. But also they need to be able to do this many of like, you know, this push up, mm. you know, shoulder blade push up exercise. They need to be able to have full shoulder mobility. They need to be able to do this many knee tucks. So they almost need to pass a conditioning section too, because then that's what they need to be able to do for their Aisha. So they mm. shouldn't be able to pass intermediate in, uh, until they can do all these things that tick up, tick off the prerequisite for advance. And that is where I would ultimately love to see pole go, is that when we're looking at syllabus, we're not just looking at, you know, the tricks for each level, but we're looking off the the marking criteria and people should be able to uh, pass or mark off different criteria Mm. that are uh, requisites for tricks. And And that's where I put all the free information out there. Literally, it's up to the studios to Mm. use it because it's all out there now. And if you're looking at your big tricks going, okay, this level we're working on the handspring, like it's all there. It's basically like just include it. 
Yeah, and I was going to say then that also puts the responsibility in the student's hand to a certain degree. It's like we're not going to baby you and, you know, yeah, we'll have your conditioning in classes but we're not going to baby you and go, okay, are you doing this? Like we're going to now test it. It's like, okay, you need to be able to show us at the end of this level or whatever or to get into the next level that you can mm. hit these benchmarks and you can yeah. do this sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. I love it. And it's like music to me. Yeah, hard conversations need to be had sometimes with students because they, I've seen students before, like try to do a straddle, but they can't do a knee tuck. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, if you can't do a knee tuck correctly, like, and like a really good job, why do you think you're going to be able to straddle? Like, yeah. why are you flinging yourself upside down? You're not controlling your shoulders. You're not stabilizing your upper rib cage. You mm. reduce, like you're increasing your risk of a rib injury by trying to throw yourself up there when you can't mm. even do a basic mm. knee tuck. So I just think things like that just need to be implemented. Does it mean we need to completely ruin the fun out of it? No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. We can still make it fun. We can still make it, you know, strong and powerful and sexy and all the things that pole is. But it's just about now, you know, using some S&C personal like training, common sense like, mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. Can we just do one more student question before we move on? Of course. And and we'll finish up and we are definitely getting you back. So, guys, <laughs> if you're loving this, don't worry. She will be back. Um, she doesn't know that but we're we're, uh, we're making sure of it <laughs> i expect to be back <laughs> many times i'll be a regular on the show Excellent. we'll take it so the next one is um and i think this is really good because there's not a lot there's a, there's a lot of whole physios now they're starting to come out but there's not a lot of them so what's something we should tell a physio about pole if they haven't had previous experience with it oh that's a good question. yeah um it's Obviously, it's different from other sports, but it's actually not that different mm. in the sense of as a physio, we are, we're taught at uni a certain skill set to analyze movement. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you give me a video of any sport and I can analyze it. I don't need to know the sport. I can analyze it. And it comes down to basic function, um, muscles and movements. So, like, yeah, throw, like, throw me a video of archery. I should be able to put into slow motion and go, okay, to be able to do this, you need to be able to do this, 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 X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say if you're comfortable, show the physio what you're trying to do or how you've injured yourself or like show a video of it. It doesn't have to be you. You can just, you know, you know go for your hashtags on Instagram, like, you know, hashtag PD, whatever trick here. Mm-hmm. Find whatever it is and show them what you're trying to achieve because until they visually see it, they're not going to be able to break down and analyze that movement in their head mm-hmm. or even have it saved to your, you know, your, your role, your, your videos and your camera so they can slowly like just go back and forth because physios are very visual people. Mm-hmm. We're very like intelligent people, but we are very visual people. Um, and we're also obviously quite touchy people in terms of like we like to do mm-hmm. things hands on. Mm-hmm. But visual assessment is probably one of the, um, the things that set physio apart from other people um, in terms of just our skill set to be able to analyze. So 100%, um, not necessarily something you need to tell your physio, but something you can do to show your physio yeah. to help them understand you better as a pole artist or pole dancer or, you know, pole fitness, whatever, whatever sort of you, how you define yourself. Mm. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I would probably advise against showing them any promiscuous videos um, in terms of to just be careful in terms of what you're showing, particularly if it's a male-female relationship. They're still technically a medical professional healthcare doctor. Obviously, if it's me, I don't really care. (laughs) I'm fine. So just choose your person. Um, But, yeah, there's still obviously a professional relationship. You don't want them to get into trouble. But try and show what you can from from a professional point of view. I think that's really helpful. 
Yeah, and I think I've done that in the past. Like when I found my first really good physio, it was like videos upon videos upon videos. Um, But she left me. She went interstate. She she left me. I know. I was just like, I was devastated. Um, But holy shit, this is epic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't even have words for how amazing this episode is. I'm just trying to figure out, and this is going to be my husband's job, and he's standing over there eating. um, And it's going to be his job (laughs) to figure out where the hell we cut this into two or three. So, yeah, good luck. There has been so much good information and I just can't even, I reckon, guys, if you're listening, you need to listen to this like two or three times. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those podcasts that you probably need to, when you need, when something's going on, just come back to because there was a lot of really good information in this. Um, so Simone, where can people find you? Um, so Instagram is probably the easiest. So the poll, um, oh my gosh, the poll.physio. Oh my, <laughs> oh my gosh how embarrassing i should know this um, i was like physio the poor physio no, <laughs> like, the, i thought you like, forgot the word physio no it's dot physio and i should know that so it's a pop up physio in terms of instagram um oh i now have a new website it's yes. taken me so long but i'm so excited and it's beautiful and pretty and all the things so go check it out so that's www.thepolphysio.com. Um, so get the dots right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously Facebook as well um, under Paul Physio. Um, so you can find me there as well. Um, in terms of appointments, because I know there will be a lot of people like asking questions yeah. about that after this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do accept patients online for appointments. I do have limited amount available this year. I'm pretty much booked out through to mid-November at the moment. Um, yeah, well so, done. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it, it's blown my mind, really. Um, I, I knew there was a definitely scope out there for this, but um, yeah, I know there's a lot more people who have been waiting for longer. So um, thank you to those uh, for your support, but also your patience. But um, yes, uh, you can definitely book an appointment with me. Um, it just won't be for a while. Um, and unfortunately, I am unable to accept any American patients um, based on legislation. So um, if you are American, I'm very sorry, mm. but you can still access all my amazing free resources and my team. They're like, they're incredible. All the resources that are out there uh, via the website. Um, and you can certainly send through questions via Instagram. I won't answer personal injury questions ever, mm-hmm. just as a, um, a little keynote there. Um, but I'm happy to point you in the right directions for things. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. Um, So thank you so, 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 so much for all your time this morning. Um, We have just, uh, we knew we were going to geek out on this, but I don't think I expected what we got. It was uh, above expectations, 110%. So guys, if you're loving Uncovered and you want to see Simone back, which we know you all do, um, please make sure you come hang out with us on Instagram. Obviously every week we discuss whatever the topic of our podcast is. So we'll be talking all things everything here um i don't even think there was a really great common theme there's a lot so we'll be talking everything pole injuries probably this week um so that's at uncovered.pd um and don't forget we're on youtube so if you want to actually see this live or you want to listen to us in a different um space um hit us up and look for uncovered for pole dancers so yeah until next time thanks guys thanks everyone thanks for having me on board Thanks for joining us today, guys, on our Pole Physio series. We've had an absolute blast geeking out with Simone from the Pole Physio. Um, We've just learned 
in this like small session so 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 much so we hope you guys a small session up. large session but it's so small and like think about the amount of things yeah. we could talk about yeah that's true we have so much that we didn't talk about that we wanted to mm. as well but there's so much good content in there as well guys so thank you so much for joining us and don't forget to come hang out with us on instagram uncovered.pd send us messages we love it and also on youtube Yes, we are uploading our episodes to YouTube now. Um, so if you actually want to see us and hang out with us in your living room, I don't know, wherever you watch your, you watch your YouTube videos, yeah. yeah, come hang out with us on YouTube. Our, um, just search Uncovered for Pole Dancers and you'll find us there. Yeah, thanks guys. Until okay. next time. <laughs>